Okay. We are doing now the portion of Vayigash. We are doing now Tuesday's portion. And what's happened so far is that Yosef, Joseph, has told his brothers who he is after he had set up this grand plot to give them an opportunity to completely repent, which is what they did as Yehuda, as Judah, offered his own self as a slave in the stead of Benjamin, Benjamin, who Joseph had given such favoritism to, and it was such a perfect opportunity to get rid of Benjamin, and yet instead the brothers rose to the challenge, to the spiritual challenge, and as I was thinking, you know, sometimes it seems we say to God, God, why are you doing this? Why are you making it so hard? And God's answer is because I love you. And everything here, what seemed so difficult, was really from the loving God as an opportunity for the brothers to completely show and express their repentance and ultimately for Yaakov, for Jacob, to be reunited with his beloved son, Joseph. So Joseph has told his brothers who he is after they have successfully passed their challenge. And he says, no, don't worry. I mean, you whatever your thoughts were, God set this all up because there's five more years of famine. And God made me come here to enable all of us to survive the famine and live. So we're up to chapter 45, verse 8. And now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has sent me as a father to Pharaoh and as a master of his entire household and as a ruler in the entire land of Egypt. So the father means, or as he says, a colleague, a patron. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, so said your son Joseph, God has sent me as a master to all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. So Rashi explains, go up to my father, because the land of Israel, as Rashi tells us many, many, many times, is higher than all of the lands. You always go up to the land of Israel. Of course, there's various ways how our rabbis understand what this means, that the land of Israel is the highest. The Maharsha says that the earth is a sphere, and the land of Israel is the center, the focus of the sphere, so it's the top of the sphere. So traveling from anywhere to the land of Israel is ascending. There are other explanations as well. You will reside, we're continuing Joseph's words to his father, you will reside in the land of Goshen and you'll be near to me, you and your sons and your grandchildren and your flocks and your cattle and all that is yours, and I'll provide for you there. For there'll be five more years of famine, lest you become destitute, you and your household and all that is yours. Jarash explains this word, pentivoresh, to make you destitute. Behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin, it is my mouth that is speaking to you. So your eyes see my glory, and your eyes see I'm your brother because, one, I'm circumcised like you. So you know I'm your brother, as Rashi told us yesterday, that he showed them he was circumcised to reassure him he's truly Joseph. And you see that I'm speaking to you in the holy tongue because until then, every time he spoke, there was this interpreter, and now he's speaking to them freely in their language. Your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin, meaning what he's saying is, just as I have no hatred toward Benjamin, obviously he was not, and I'm not just my sale. So I'm making you equal. There's no hatred in my heart toward you. And truly Joseph had no hatred in his heart for his brothers at all, as we see consistently for the rest of the book of Genesis. He only does whatever he can to make it easier for his, all of his brothers and their families in Egypt, and he is 
absolutely not one drop of negativity. And as he explained to them, he said, listen, you were thinking of it as bad in your sale to me. But bottom line, you're emissaries of God. And whatever God gives is good. So though you meant to give me bad, you really were giving me good. And I'm only going to repay you with good, which, of course, is a generic lesson for all of us that whatever happens to us in life, it's all from God, and therefore it's all good. And therefore the messengers, if they're doing wrong, that's between them and God. But from our end, they're only giving us good. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Now, why were they crying? So Rashi says there were the two temples that were going to be in the portion of Benjamin and destroyed. And Benjamin wept on his neck because in Joseph's portion was the tabernacle of Shiloh that was also going to be destroyed. And um, some explain that what now is thinking about these future destructions, but just as that baseless hatred, that misunderstanding of people, that judging people in a way, which of course is why the brothers judged Joseph as someone trying to murder them, which caused these 22 years of separation between Benjamin and Joseph, would ultimately, of course, be part of what's going to cause the destruction of all these tabernacle and temples in the future. The news was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come, and it was pleasing in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants. Pharaoh. I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. He, in 15, he then kissed all his brothers and wept upon them, and afterwards his brothers spoke with them. So afterwards, when the brothers saw him crying, and the brothers saw that he had no hard feelings for them, which is amazing, but true, because Joseph was so, so saintly and righteous, he was considered the ultimate saint, Joseph, in a sense greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the brothers, because he alone had the ability to stay pure to God within all the immorality and all the depraved conduct in Egypt. The forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, other brothers, they were shepherds. They were away from the immoral society. But Joseph could be within Egypt, a king of Egypt for ultimately 80 years, a ruler of Egypt, and stay so saintly. So on such a level, he truly had no hard feelings, and they saw. And now they're able to speak to him, because at first, of course, they couldn't speak because they were, they were ashamed. They were too ashamed to even open up their mouths. Now they have a next verse that I read before. The news was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. That's pleasing in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. So here when it says house, in contrast to before, when we use the same term, the house of Pharaoh, here it means literally the house, meaning not as we, before we said the house of Pharaoh, earlier, Rashid Plain told meant the people of the house. Now it means the house, the actual house. The news was flying in the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load up your animals, and go and enter into the land of Canaan. So load up your animals with grain, meaning not load your animals onto something, but load something, grain, onto your animals. And take your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you'll eat the choicest of the land. The best land of Egypt, as Joseph had already promised, was the land of Goshen. It was interesting because Pharaoh here saying you will eat the choicest of the land. It's like a prophecy that he didn't realize he was saying because, of course, in the end, in the end after 210 years later and lots of suffering in between, but the Jews were going to empty out the land of Egypt. Here, Rashi gives a metaphor of the deep waters without fish. Another place our sages say the granary without grain, but completely, completely emptied out 
ultimately. I'll give you the choices of the land, because that's chela literally means the fat, but it's used generically to mean the best. And you are commanded to say, do this, take for yourselves from the land of Egypt wagons, for your small children and for your wives, transfer your father, and come. The Pharaoh is saying, you're, you're commanded by my mouth to say to them, do this. Meaning, I want you to understand, this is with my permission. And let your eyes not take pity on your vessels for the best in Thailand of Egypt, it is yours. Sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons by Pharaoh's word, and he gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of clothing, which all had lots of spiritual connotation. And to his father he sent like this, ten he donkeys laden of the best of Egypt, and ten she donkeys laden with grain and bread and food for his father for the journey. It says he sent like this, meaning this amount, and then the verse enumerates what he sent specifically. He sent, it says he sent the best of Egypt. Then he donkeys laden with the best of Egypt. So what is this best of Egypt? Well, the Talmud says this means old-aged wines. That's good for the minds of elderly people. And in the Midrash it says it was a type of beans. It was split beans. The split beans have like a calming effect. So both the wines and the beans are for the same purpose, to be soothing and calming, because, of course, he was going to receive very happy but very emotional news that you're saying to an older person, so we want this calming wine or these calming beans. It says the, the bread is grains and bread, and then mazon, Rashi says, are things that are eaten with bread. So it's in bread and things that go with bread for the trip, provisions for the trip that are going to take the whole family back to Egypt. And he sent out his brothers, and they went, and he said to them, do not become agitated on the way. The Rashi here gives us three explanations what does it mean do not become agitated. One is don't become involved in a halachic legal discussion. So then your trip's going to be an agitation for you. Meaning if you come involved in a matter of law, it's going to delay you and then the trip's going to be longer than you intend to be agitating. Or don't take long steps and then you're going to enter the city to, to spend the night when it's still daytime, which would also be agitating. In other words, that the brothers be so eager to return to their fathers because it's possible with this amazing news so they could do things that would endanger them, such as taking these two large steps, which the Thomas says impairs the vision, or traveling by night. Don't do these things that are not safe. According to the simple meaning, since, of course, they were obviously very ashamed now, he was concerned they're going to start arguing and say, oh, you were the reason he was sold. You were the one that told us bad about him. You made us hate him. So don't be agitated on the way that you're all going to be quarreling, like, which one of us messed up and led to our stumbling Joseph. They went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is a ruler of the entire land of Egypt. But he had a turn of heart, for he didn't believe them. So they said he's a ruler, but it says his heart was turned, his heart was transformed away from believing them. As if it was, it was too intense a news, he couldn't handle it. 
But then the verse says, and they relate to him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and he saw the wagon that Joseph had sent to transport him. Then the spirit of the father Jacob was revived. What does this mean? So Joseph gave his brothers a sign about the topic he was studying when he was separated from his father 22 years before. It was a section of law dealing with uh, breaking the neck of a calf. And um, in a certain situation, one has to break the neck of a calf. And one finds a dead body and we don't know how he died. And it's a whole ceremony that's done there, including breaking the neck of this calf. That's the sign was the wagons. Even though, of course, it's interesting how the verse telling us this because really Pharaoh explicitly sent the wagons. But we're saying here he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent because those wagons and the calves with the wagons was the sign. Actually, I'm sorry, it's not calf. Wagons don't have calf. It's because calf and wagon is the same Hebrew word. A calf is an ego. And a wagon is an agolos. So this agolos, it's in the plural form agolos, which also could be like the plural form of the female calf. So Jacob understood from the wagon this hint to, I remember what we were learning, I remember what we were studying, which of course isn't only reassuring him that truly this is Joseph and not an imposter, but also reassuring him, this is the same Joseph. 23 years later, what's he thinking of? Well, we last studied together. He says the spirit of Jacob was revived, that God's presence rested on him. Because for the past 22 years, God's presence hadn't been on him. Because God's presence cannot be in a place of sadness. And for 22 years, Jacob is mourning, and God can't be on him. And now after 22 years, once again, the divine presence is resting on our forefather, Jacob.